0: This message is a ministry of Plainville Baptist Church, www.plainvillebaptistchurch.org. Good morning. So uh, in preparing for today, I was listening to the songs and um, heard God speak to all of us about um, you know, being thankful for the pain the fire, the trials. Also, the last song was written by Carl Broberg as he was walking home from church and a storm came over him. And then uh, it, as quickly as it came, it, it left. And then he is inspired to write How Great Thou Art. So as we gather together today, just uh, keep that in mind. Dear Lord, uh, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the pain, the trials, the fire. Thank you, Lord, for the storms that you bring into our lives. It's hard to thank you whenever those things happen because we know that it doesn't feel like a blessing, but we know through Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So we know that it's for our good and it's for our blessing. Lord, help remind us through every day and every moment that, even the pain that we face, that it is that you can turn that pain into a blessing, and that you can turn that in uh, for your glory as you make us low, that you can glor- be glorified in our uh, in our weakness, Lord. Lord, today I pray that you bless the pastor and his message so that he can bring to all of us your word through your Spirit, so that it can move in our hearts, in our lives, and so that we can. We can be guided under your spirit. We ask all these things be done according to your will. We ask them all in Jesus Christ, holy and blessed name, and for his sake. Amen.
1: And their teachers can be dismissed to junior church at this time. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm glad we're it's a little family atmosphere here this morning. Less folks out, and that's good because we're going to deal with some family business today. And uh, as we do, uh, we want to keep in mind the Word of God and how we're to respond to it. Um, my wife and I want to thank you so great, so so much. We're so grateful for the the Christmas gift you gave to us. Gifts, there are different. Uh, forms of uh, gifts that you sent us, some uh, monetary, some items, uh, and we're we're thankful for that. Um, And um, we are so grateful to God for being able to be here uh, as part of this ministry. And I, I hope another 20 years. We'll see. Now that goes. One other thing, one other uh, quick thing. Uh, this coming year, I am going to be um, abstaining from sugar. Uh, it's not spiritual, it's not anything spiritual. The scripture says that consuming certain food doesn't make us uh, less or more close to God. Uh, it's completely physical, a physical reason why I'm going to do that. But I'm saying that for your sake because many of you love to send us fine. Uh, treats, and I don't want you to be offended when I I don't eat them. Um, So just for your one, and that means all the Christmas candy that I have, I'm going to have to eat in the next six days, (laughs) which means I might overdose anyway beforehand, and uh, before it can do me any good, I I pass away. Uh, (laughs) So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we look at uh, church discipline and restoration this morning. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5.1, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not even exist among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who has done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven, a little yeast leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old yeast, so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. As Paul goes through this passage this morning, as we read of what he was writing to this church, we see the reprimand for sin. The reprimand for sin. When, when we see this, when we understand this passage, Paul's not dealing with sin in general. He's not dealing with daily sin that you and I commit as sinners. We all sin. We all sin often. Often. He's not discussing sin concerning someone who deals with their sin appropriately in confessing their sin, acknowledging their sin. And not all sin is brought out into the open. And that's a grace from God. That's a mercy from God. Generally, in the life of the Christian, the Holy Spirit points out our sin so that we might be Reconciled to God through confession and repentance individually. So what do we notice about this sin that Paul happens to deal with here? First of all, it was in the open. This word, actually here, it is actually reported, uh, can be translated everywhere. And it might be best translated this way it is. It is actually reported. It is widely reported. That there is immorality among you. See, this this was visible. It was a visible problem within the church. And it affected their testimony to a watching world that saw a distinction between what they thought Christians should do And what was taking place. And it needed to be dealt with. Because it was in the open. Secondly, the the Apostle Paul says that this man was unrepentant. He was unrepentant. The verb is present. He has his father's wife. Not he had his stepmother. Once had he has his father's wife. This is something that is ongoing. It's not something done and taken place. Uh, the man is unrepentant. The man was unashamed of this wicked behavior. He continued in it. He would not quit. He did not think his sin was awful it was awful to him. It was not a cause of concern. He just continued in it. He he did not want to stop. It was what he wanted. He did not change his mind and agree with God that he was doing wrong and break off from that sin. Think about David and Bathsheba. The story of David and Bathsheba where David commits adultery with Bathsheba and then in order to hide it he murders her husband and in order to hide it they get married and he's trying to hide it. He's trying to hide his sin. He's making excuses for his sin. We don't know all the excuses he made but this is the same kind of situation. That's why Nathan had to confront him with it. This man continued in his path of sin. It's why the issue needed to be addressed by Paul. It wasn't because the man sinned. It was not because the man sinned. It was because he refused to repent of his sin. Had he been involved in an immoral action but acknowledged his wrong and confessed it and forsook it, it would never have needed to have been brought up. The Apostle Paul brings it to the spotlight because the man would not address it. But thirdly, Paul brings it up to the church in this letter, in this open letter to the body, because the church refused to deal with it. The church would not deal with it. The apostle had to step in. You can see throughout the New Testament that Paul gives great leeway with the operation of the church in their day-to-day work, but here he had to step in and address this because the church was not. Verse 2, You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who has done this deed would be removed from your midst. Instead of the reaction of shock and disgust, Over this wicked deed. The church celebrated it. We're in Christ's grace. All our sin is forgiven. He had said they had become proud. Since sin put Jesus Christ on the cross. It can never be anything to be celebrated. It can never be anything to be proud of. Our sin should cause us to be ashamed before God and confess it and not excuse it, not make reasons why we cannot, or why we could continue to sin. And so as as we see this here, as we recognize uh, what Paul is describing. We see the importance of it. That's why he brings it up. Paul said they should have mourned over their sin. They should have mourned over the church's stained reputation. Because it tarnished the pure name of Jesus Christ. So we see this. The the necessity for the work of God to acknowledge this as sin, to deal with it as sin, and to honor God in how they conducted their work of the church. But then Paul says, secondly, he not not only gives this reprimand for sin, but he gives this recourse for the unrepentant. How are we to deal with those who are unrepentant? How are we to deal with those who continue and do not forsake their sin? He says it here in verses 3 to 5. These are what might be the final steps of church discipline before the final step. Because ultimately the purpose of church discipline is not to remove someone from fellowship in the church. But to restore full joy and fellowship into the body Because you can't, if you have unconfessed sin, you cannot have the joy of the Holy Spirit. You can't have the joy of the Holy Spirit. And you can't participate in the joy of the body when we gather together. And so we see this. Uh, If a person does not listen to his brothers and sisters in Christ, then the church is to remove this one from membership in the body. Why? Paul explains why. So that they will be out from under the protective umbrella of the church, the covering of the body. There's somehow a spiritual protection over the church from the ravages of the devil. And so it's to place him out from under, uh, underneath that. To be awakened to the fact that Satan is a crueler taskmaster than God could ever be. It's to recognize that. And when the believer is set out into the world from under the influences of Satan, they are like a lost sheep. Out from under the protection of the protective covering of the shepherd... And Paul says here, what does he say? One of two things is going to happen. He says, I, I, I've decided, verse 5, I've decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. First of all, that this person would experience such harsh physical consequences against himself, such repercussions from the discipline of his sin, that he would die. That's what Paul means by the destruction of his flesh. And yet at the same time, it doesn't mean he would be condemned to hell. The believer cannot lose his salvation. Paul says it here. He says it in 1 Corinthians 3. He says it in 1 Corinthians 11. In In chapter 11, he says, so that the person who has died will not be condemned along with the world. As God allows this discipline of sin in the believer's life, they will be condemned they will not be condemned along with the world that's what he's describing so he might come to a place where he experiences such harsh physical consequences that he dies or as he describes in second corinthians chapter 2 he comes to see his need to repent of the sin he sees the grievous nature of his sin i think in second corinthians chapter 2 when paul lays that out He's describing this individual who is to be welcomed back in the church. And as a matter of fact, I think he has to write to them again about this because they were so then zealous after Paul tells them they need to put this individual out from the church, they were unwilling to receive him back in when he repented. In verse uh, 4 of chapter 2, he says, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you with many tears, not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. But if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much to all of you. It's a grief to the body. Verse 6, sufficient for such a one is this punishment inflicted by the majority. So that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. And so as Paul is describing here, welcome him back. Remember, it's not about sin. Everyone sins. It's about the unrepentant. It's about those who refuse to repent over their sin so that it grows, so that it becomes a public thing whereby the testimony of Jesus Christ is tarnished and so Paul describes that here and as as Teresa read this morning from Matthew chapter 18 Jesus outlines those steps if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault in private don't go tell him and him and him talk to your brother or sister in private and if he listens to you you've won your brother If he does not listen to you, take one or two with you and go to that one. If he listens, you've won. If he does not listen to them, tell it to the church. And so that's what Paul, and if he doesn't listen to the church, treat him as a sinner and tax collector, as an unsaved person. How do you? Treat an unsafe person with the gospel and with grace and mercy and kindness, calling them to repentance. That's how it's supposed to be. There needs to be a decision by the body. At some point, there needs to be a decision by the body. Paul says in this case, he did it as they were reluctant to do so. I've made a decision, while apart from you, to deliver this individual over. I, on my part, there has to be some kind of deadline determined, some kind of issue in determining what is going to take place, when. And so the church then, it's not just like all of a sudden this is the first time the church hears about it and then we're, we're removing this person from membership. No, no, no tell it to the church. And those in the church who know this individual or go to that person and say, please, please repent. Please acknowledge your sinfulness. Please turn from this. Move away from it. Get out of it. So that's what we see. That's what we're to do. And then after a determined period of time, maybe a month, maybe a few weeks, then you're to place this individual outside of the membership and see that you know how is the person responding are they listening are they are they recalcitrant or are they humble in spirit we're working through this are they working through this to get this right to see that and then if not this decision by the body needs to be be made with humility and fear lest you think that well I can't I can't be tempted by this Uh, Scripture makes it very clear in the spirit of gentleness, lest you also are tempted, lest you also fall into this very same thing. The decision to hand over this individual to the devil was was how they were, were handing him outside of the body, outside of this protective cover. Remember, there's no physical punishment meted out by the church that's never, the church never has been given authority to mete out physical punishment. When churches mesh with political parties or powers, they, they begin to put physical things added into it. The, there's no physical punishment. The Scripture never gives that authority in handing over an individual outside of the body from being under the church's protection. And so we see that, we recognize that. And, you know, as an aside, quickly, it really speaks of the importance of church membership. How can a person be under the umbrella of the church's protection if they're not belonging to a body? It's like a sheep saying, I don't need to be part of a flock and I don't need to be under the shepherd's protection. That doesn't go well for the sheep. They don't last long like that. They cannot outrun a wolf or a lion or anything like that. They need the protection of the flock and the shepherd. And so what do we see lastly in this passage? The defeat of personal sin. So Paul lays this out. He says, hand this one over, but then he talks about themselves, the rest of the body. He says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole lump of dough? You see, you're boasting about this. This is going to destroy the entire body by not dealing with this individual because their sin has become open and uh, their sin has become a mark on the testimony of the church and Jesus Christ. And so he says we need to defeat personal sin. And in verse 6, he says, recognize its nature. A little leaven, a little yeast goes through the whole dough. Yeast in in, in the Old Testament was a type of sin. It's why the Passover feast had no yeast in it. Because the lamb that was killed for Passover was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who had no sin. He shed his blood for the sins of the world. And so the Jews got rid of the yeast at Passover. It was pointing to the fact that Jesus had no sin of his own. His death was not for his own sin but for your sin. He died because you needed the cleansing of his blood. And so we see the the nature here. And sin, like yeast, works through the whole lump of dough. So a little sin can overwhelm, overwhelm an individual who thinks it's harmless. But it turns out to enslave them so that they cannot control it. They become addicted to their sin. Their sin becomes an idol. And they worship it rather than the Lord it can ruin your testimony. Sin that is left unchecked can ruin your testimony as a Christian. It can destroy work for the Lord. How many churches have been destroyed and broken up because of the sin of individuals in the church? And so we we see this, and the Apostle Paul says, a little yeast leavens the whole lump of dough. You can't treat sin casually. We must deal with our sin. It grabs you by the neck and chokes you to death if you don't deal with it. A little yeast will leaven the whole lump. Think about this. This man, as Paul writes about it in chapter 5, this man who had an incestual relationship with his stepmother, it didn't start out as a full-blown incestual relationship with his stepmother, did it? It began with maybe a wrong thought a wrong thought, or uh, impure glance, or maybe a flirtatious word. Man, it's so, what a blessing to have such a hot stepmom. Whoa, that needs to stop! It shouldn't have gone any further than confessing that and taking care of that. It didn't start. Immediately as this full-blown relationship where this guy was continuing in a relationship with his stepmother. started out small. And if you don't see that and take care of the sin that will lead to that, you'll be in a situation where the sin will control you. That's what Paul is saying. A little leaven, a little yeast leavens the whole lump of dough. And it might have stopped anywhere along that way. He could have gotten right with him in the middle of it. He could have gotten right with the Lord in the middle of it. He could have gotten right with the church in the middle of that. He could have stopped. But he did not. He refused. And the church was okay with it. Think about this. Why did, this, why would, why did Paul not bring this woman up? as part of church discipline. I I think it's because she was not a Christian. She was not part of the church. She was not a believer. Think about this, brothers and sisters. When you're sinning, and you're sinning with unbelievers, you're ruining your testimony for the Lord, and you're, you're... Bringing shame to the name of Jesus Christ. You're going out and partying with unbelievers. You're going out and committing sin with unbelievers. You're part of stealing things from your employer with unbelievers. You damage the testimony of Jesus. Jesus. This is what was happening here. little sin causes a great deal of trouble. And the same for sin that you found yourself in. Maybe you've been covering it up or hiding it. But then the sin continues to expand. Did you ever, did you ever my, my wife's made bread and she puts a towel over it. Because when it gets warmer and it's covered up, it grows more. The dough grows more. Listen, you're trying to cover up your sin, it's going to grow more. It's not, going to, it's not going to get knocked down. You're just going to have to find new ways to cover up your tracks. Oh, this didn't work. Somebody saw, I better go do this. I better. You're going to keep trying to cover it until it blows up. You can't do that. Perhaps you've already tried to reach a point where you've had trouble juggling it and covering it at the same time. And it's funny, the scripture makes it clear, if you read Psalm 32, if you try to cover your sin, the Lord's going to expose it. But if you expose your sin to the Lord and say, God, I've sinned, I've done wrong, He's going to cover it. Meaning, He's going to put the covering of the blood of His Son over that and deal with it and take care of it and put it out of the way. And so Paul says next, not just recognize its nature, but take care of business with it. In verse 7, he says this, clean out the old leaven, clean out the old yeast so that you may be a new lump just as you are in fact without yeast. For Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed. And so what do we see here? Clean out the old yeast, take care of your sin, don't let it remain, get rid of it. Sin infiltrates every part of the dough. It's not just our actions, it's our attitudes, it's our thoughts, it's our, our heart. That's why confession, acknowledging it to God, taking care of it with others, gets that out of our heart. God removes it. The dough and the yeast become indistinguishable when it's worked its way through. Deal with it fully. Paul talks about that several times throughout the New Testament. He talks about putting off the old man, confessing our sin, being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Why is it so important that the Word of God gets into our heart and into our mind? Because we are very good at justifying our sin. And if we we confess it, our flesh is going to find some way to justify what we're doing. Going to find some very good way to justify what we're doing. So we need to see that. We need to recognize it. And then we need to put on the new man, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. We need to do this for that, for for the sake because we can't walk apart from the Spirit. We can't, we're walking in the flesh if we don't walk according to the Spirit. And Paul says you can deal with this because you've been saved. He says you're already clean because Christ our our Passover has been sacrificed for us. If you're here and you've received Christ as your Savior, God says He's already done everything for you to make you clean. Just confess your sin, acknowledge it. That's what the point Jesus was making at the Last Supper. He was washing the disciples' feet, and Peter goes, oh no, just wash my head and my, my hands. Give me a bath. And Jesus said, listen, if you've been washed already, if you've been washed by faith in the Messiah, you only need to wash your feet. You only need to confess your sin. Take care of it when you sin. You're already clean. And then he made that statement. He says, but not all of you, because he knew Judas was not believing in the Messiah. And so we, we see this. If you've received Christ, Paul says you're already clean, so confess it, take care of it. But maybe somebody's here, maybe you're watching this and you say, well, I've never received Christ as my Savior. You, you can't, if, if you're without Christ right now, you can't even touch your sin. You can't even, I'm going to just confess it and I'll be okay. No, no, it pervades your entire person, who you are. You can't just, Take a little peace, unless the blood of Jesus has cleansed you fully. You can't take care of your sin. You're condemned before God. You need to trust Him. He died on the cross for your sin and He rose again to give you eternal life. You need to call upon Him. You need to say, God, I need a Savior. I see Jesus is the one. You need to call upon Him. But then thirdly, Paul says, celebrate in the right way. Celebrate in the right way. Uh, he, he goes on and he says, let us celebrate the feast, verse 8, not with the old leaven, not with our sin, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. If you don't clear out actions and attitudes, if you're bitter against somebody, if you have uh, uh, disregard for somebody in the body, you can't worship God. You're, you're fooling yourself. You really are fooling yourself. If you don't take care of that. Put off the leaven of malice and wickedness. Celebrate with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Not in that old we can't we can't worship God in that same way. Not in the yeast of malice and wickedness while you're living in unconfessed sin. It's a sham. To come to church and praise God for the gospel, all the while living with unconfessed sin. I'm going back to it later. You come to church, and say, God, I'm sorry, but as soon as I leave church, I'm going back to it. That's a sham. That's, that's not right. You need to confess your sin and get right with God. Paul says, your position is clean. Chapter 1, he says, you are sanctified, you are holy in Christ. And John tells us, when we sin, we confess our sin. He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In our practice, we're to be holy as well. We're to do that. And think about this. There is good news in all of this. Paul is bringing this bad news in this one sense. You've not been taking care of sin in the church, but there's good news The restoration of the believer is possible. The restoration of the one who has sinned and been put out of the membership is possible because of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2. I encourage you to, to receive Him back. Forgive Him lest such a one would be overwhelmed by great sorrow. We're going to do something a little different today than our invitation. We're going to have an invitation in a little bit. But, about a year ago, we removed Richard Young from the membership of the church. We had dealt with him, I believe, graciously and carefully with long suffering over a period of years and dealing with his sin of drunkenness and, and we at some point placed him out of the membership of the church. Well, I praise God to be able to say that we're receiving him back into the membership of the church today because he's dealt with his sin. And he's going to give a testimony here about what God's been doing in him. And uh, Richard, you want to come on up? Do you need need the stand to put that? Yeah, let me get that for you. Good morning, morning, Rich. Hello.
2: Merry Christmas. I'm an emotional wreck. Um, the the tears that I've been shedding and uh, I haven't even started reading yet. Are tears of joy. Um, so bear with me. And uh, can you just pray with me for a sec? Um, Father in heaven, I just uh, ask, Lord, that you give me strength to get through this, and um, Lord, that it would be uplifting to all who hear it. (laughs) I thank you for your help in preparing it, and I thank you for my brothers and sisters here, Uh, and in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Okay. I got the Pastor Dave accessory kit. All right, no more jokes. This is serious. (laughs) Okay. Not long ago, I stood before this congregation and confessed my sin of drunkenness. I was felt led to do this by the Holy Spirit and felt good after my confession I wish I could say that after my confession that everything was, went perfectly, but it didn't. I still struggled with my alcoholism, as I have for many years. The love, support. <clears throat> Did I already say that the tears that I'm shedding are tears of joy? Because that's important. Um, the love, support, and prayers I received from you all was overwhelming, and is only, um and I believe is the only reason I still stand here before you. <clears throat> For those of you <clears throat> who say God doesn't answer prayers, <clears throat> I'm living proof that He does. I've attended AA for many years uh, with limited success. The program of AA and my biblical beliefs do not mesh very well. I've been to detox, rehab, sober houses, trying to rid myself of this thorn in the flesh, alcohol. This last year was especially difficult. I believe I was near the point of death several times It is only by the grace of God in your prayers, my brothers and sisters, that I am alive and stand here before you, Uh, sober, joyous, and free. (laughs) from alcohol. Many of you received a letter from the church and some of you heard it here uh, at church stating my membership in Plainville. Baptist church was being terminated. I'm sure that came as a shock to many and might have seemed harsh. It was not It was 100% biblical and worked exactly as it should. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take uh, one or two more, then in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, but if he neglects to hear the church, let him to be unto the ears a heathen man and a publican. I was hurt and disgusted with myself. It was no one's fault but mine. Alcohol has taken so many things from me. This this poison, this idol. Should the church stand by and allow a member to live in idolatry? God forbid. God the Father hates idolatry. I had made alcohol my idol. I ran to it whenever I was angry. Tired, happy, sad, or lonely. Colossians 3, five says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. When I felt these things, when I felt loneliness and uh, all those things, negative feelings, I should have turned to God. I should have turned to Christ, my Savior, my comforter. But instead, I turned to alcohol. There's only seven pages. (laughs) Um, We are called to be holy. Um, Okay, hope I didn't mess up here. No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, we are called to, we are called to be holy, first Peter one fifteen through seventeen says, but as he which has called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. In Leviticus nineteen twenty, it says, Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. I was not living a holy life, and the result of my sin left me sick, physically, mentally, and spiritually. As Pastor Dave said, when member of the body is sick, the whole body suffers. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. First Corinthians five six. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we should respect it as such. First Corinthians 6, six 19, nineteen and twenty says, "What know ye not? Your body is the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. If we are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body." and in your spirit, which are God's. This past year, year, the Lord has taught me many things. My salvation is secure. Romans
0: 8.38
2: For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord I am a child of the most high God the Lord disciplines his children I know I'm a child of God I've been disciplined heavily In Hebrews twelve six through 9, it says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. And what son is he whom the Father does not chasten? For if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye illegitimate and not sons? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence; and shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Another thing I learned is the Lord is merciful and long-suffering. Numbers 14:18. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. The Lord loves me far beyond what I can imagine. The Lord wants to restore each of us to a loving relationship with him. Philippians 3.13 Um, 13 and 14 says brethren I I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ the Lord wants to and will bless us when we stay close to him When we turn from our sin and draw close to Him, Romans ten twelve says, "For there is no difference between Jew and Gentiles; the same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call upon Him." (laughs) Okay, I'm almost done. In closing, I want to I want to thank the deacons of the church. I want to thank Pastor Dave for being faithful to the word of God and standing firm when it came to a difficult decision. I also want to thank all of you who have kept me in your prayers. Please don't stop. And of course, thanks be to God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love you all. And may God bless you all.
1: If you're rich. Thanks. Amen. All those in favor of receiving Richard Young to the membership of Plainville Baptist Church, please say amen. amen. We're going to have, <clears throat> we'll sing two stanzas of the um, invitation hymn. Maybe you need to take time to speak to the Lord and seek his face. Maybe you need to take time and deal with what he's been speaking to you about. And. Um, Ask Rich if he'd go back to the foyer and let folks as they leave to be able to do that, greet you, welcome you. And then um, um, after we pray, I have one more, announce- after we sing, I have one more announcement as well.
3: needs go home by the way of the cross there's no other way but this i shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross i miss the way of the cross leads home the way of the cross leads home it is sweet to know as i onward go the way cross leads home i must needs go on by the blood sprinkled way the path that the savior trod if i ever climb to the height sublime where the soul is at home with god the way of the cross leads home the way of the cross leads home It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home.
1: All right, before I close in prayer here, Christine Dubuque is going to be moving to Virginia. This will be your last Sunday here. And Christine, would you just stand so everybody can see you? No, you're not going to stand. Thank you. Now Now she's stood and we can all stand. We'll close in prayer. Please greet Chris and give her your regards. Let her know you'll be praying for her. As she moves away, as much as I prayed against that, now it's God's will, so now we can pray for her, but uh, let's, um, let's be dismissed. Father, we praise you and bless your name. We thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness in restoring Richard to us, in uh, bringing him back into the body, and um, this time help us to love him, to lift him up, to protect him in prayer, Uh, watch over him and Lord we pray for Chris as she goes that you would watch over her protect her help her to find a good fellowship uh, where she is where she will be um, that she might honor you and glorify you and serve you faithfully Father I thank you for uh, this day for your word teach us from it give us hearts to obey it and to love you we pray in Jesus name Amen you're dismissed